0: The Maral speaks about tari in the following way. He quotes a very famous Chazal, it's a medrash in Brazis, a teaching of the sages in the medrash and he tries to explain why the verse V'yoreini um, v'yorei says, let my words Shreem Ha-Melech says about Hashem saying Shreem Ha-Melech tells us that Hashem says my words, meaning the words of Hashem will support your heart and explained that supporting the heart means that the heart is the uh, organ in the body that is characteristically, characteristically looked upon as yeah. where the the life force is contained person's heart is 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 symbolically where living is most explicitly expressed and that heart says Hashem tells us will be strengthened by Torah meaning the Torah creates life Torah creates life maintains life Torah maintains life in other words those that will live the way to do so is through the study of Torah and then he goes on to explain why should that be? Why should that be? Why should the Torah be a support to, to the experience of life? So now, There's a lot of missing information between his statement and our comprehension. Because on a superficial level, there's very little connection, one would think, between the experience of life and the study of Torah. The study of Torah seems to be the study of wisdom study of wisdom is not an energizer, sort of vital addition to my life force. The study of wisdom is an intellectual exercise. study of wisdom is what is there actually when we speak about the study of Torah. The study of Torah is definitely referring to, if not primarily referring to, the study of the Oral Torah, which is most openly and widely experienced through the study of Gomorrah so we're talking about the study of Gemara it's not an intellectual exercise rather it's the very basic nature of life itself but on a a, a superficial level that seems really far-fetched because the external experience of the study let's pick Gemara as an example seems to have no bearing or relevance On a deeper life force, I can understand if you tell me that breathing influences my life force. Yes, most definitely. If I don't breathe in oxygen, so then uh, I understand how the breath influences my life. Understand how eating influences my life. If I don't eat, I starve. I lose my life. But if I don't learn Torah, therefore I'll be what I'll, I'll die of starvation. I'll I'll dwindle and and shrivel. No, I just lack knowledge. It's not, it's not, John it's almost, it seems inaccurate. So, that, in other words, what's my experience? My experience is, let's say we're studying a tractate which, which discusses the laws of divorce, which is, um, ex- which is carried out through the delivery of a divorce document from husband to wife. And there's a discussion if that divorce document is delivered into her domain that she owns, if the divorce begins with the delivery, or if she has to pick it up, or if she can't pick it up, I mean, hello, that's going to make me alive or dead. That's studying some type of, seemingly, absolutely, for me, irrelevant detail about Jewish law. It seems technical. It seems way too much effort for those people who are not going to be involved in the actual writing of getting of divorce documents is put into this kind of study. But nevertheless, the... The meat and potatoes of Yeshiva study has always been the Gemara, and of Gemaras, definitely in the last 200 years, it's always been the Gemaras which are not necessarily relevant to -to day-to-day practice. Nashim and Nezikin, the tractates which discuss the laws in relation to marriage, divorce, and those which discuss tort laws many of which are completely irrelevant to -to day-to-day living and the tractates which are much more relevant to -to day-to-day living for example the tractates dealing with the laws of brachas and dealing with the laws of the festivals dealing with the laws of Shabbos those tractates traditionally are not part of the curriculum so for some bizarre reason there's an assumption that there's some type of deep spiritual re-energizing which takes place through the study of these seemingly arbitrary topics where, how, how does it work? so clearly we have to we'll, we'll try to navigate ourselves through the words of the maral. but it could be we'll have to supplement them with a, the assumptions he makes are probably linked into his perception of how the spiritual world works and the relationship between the two different components of how life becomes life. So let's go through his words and then let's try reflect on them and see if we can come to an understanding. If you'll be patient with me, we'll try. Will you be patient? This is Amaral. Uma, he says like this. He divrei Torah, the words of Torah, support and maintain the entire world So what he does is what's called in Hebrew He says like this He says the only reason the world, the universe has an existence is because of the study of Torah. So he takes out his Talmudic thumb, puts on his sing-song intonation voice and says the following, much more so. If Torah supports the external universe, which is not as closely related to it as the man himself who studies it, the man that studies it, how much more so it will be the reason and source of his continued existence. Hooray! Behold, the Torah supports even the far-flung galaxies. Surely it will support the man that speaks, thinks, and lives its words. Now, he goes on to explain. And where do I get the fact that the Torah is the life force, the energy that drives the universe. Torah is the life force that drives the universe. I mean, we you know, there's an energy that drives the universe, right? When you break everything down, ultimately it's, it's something, right? I think the latest theory is it's sound vibrations. The whole world, like these mini sound, but it's molecular, it's something. And behind the molecular, energy there's atoms, and atoms are driven, there's an energy, right? There's an energy which the world is just One big energy. So I would think, okay, there's an energy. But would I think that that energy is derived the generator for that energy is the study of Torah? And that if the study of Torah would cease, so the energy that drives the universe would be insufficient and the whole thing would evaporate into thin air. the energy that drives the universe that's the maa eshe divrei Torah toimchim kola to generate the energy that drives the universe every molecule, everything, every atom that's being driven around so it's doing so because there's some yeshiva bocha going azore ketle ishtoi v'hi besorech b'isor besorech atzerah haray hi mugureshes that's what's driving it Without that, all of a sudden, Pluto would just pop, pop into nothingness. Brings a raya, brings a proof. And that which very support the entire world, This comes from the words of our sages that say in the Gemara and Shabbos. So he quotes the Gemara and Shabbos. When it says, when it discusses, when the verse describes the story, the events of creation, at the end of each day there's a, a sum up verse. And it was evening and it was morning, day number one. And it was evening and it was morning, the second day. And it was evening and it was morning... Day three, and each time it says in Hebrew, vayir vayboike yom sheni, vayir vayboike yom shlishi. It does not use the definite article before the number of the day. It doesn't say yom hashlishi. It says yom shlishi, yom revi, yom chamishi. When it gets to the sixth day, it says vayir vayboike yom HaShishi So the Torah Shiba the oral Torah which is the decoder of the written Torah as you all know, if you'd be so kind as to pass me that Chumash Yofi, the end of the table Chumash, if I would come into the classroom and I would say, Rabboisai my teachers, this is a copy of the five books of Moses do the Jews believe in this document? You would reply to me and you would say, what? Yosef and I would say, No, they don't. And you'd say, Heretic! Have him banned. And I would say, No, no. Let me teach you one basic principle of Judaism. The Jews do not believe in the Bible. The Jews do not believe in the Bible. The Jews do not believe in the Bible, but behold... The people of the book, so they are called. Say I to you, granted, but there's a mistaken notion as to what the book is. There are many people that look at the Bible as a valid text. Jews do not. The text of the Bible doesn't help me because it's cryptic, because it's ambiguous. In fact, the way Jews look at the text of the Bible as a code. It's a code. Now, when you have a code, Joffe, and I send you to do some spying, in Afghanistan and I say to you, listen when the troops make a movement to the south the message you'll send me is Auntie Marjorie is having scones for tea now, since we're both in on that code when I get the message that you're in Afghanistan and you're telling me Auntie Marjorie is having scones for tea I don't think Auntie Marjorie is having scones for tea I think, oh gosh, there's troop movements if someone's not privy to the code they'll think How's that? Scones in Afghanistan? Who would have thought? (laughs) 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 The Torah is coded. So when the Torah says, for example, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, the last thing the Torah means is that if Ruvain produces, takes out as a weapon his index finger, traps upon and then lunges towards Shimon, inserts his index finger way into his eye socket, curls, twists, and extracts his eye, and then sheepishly runs off with his eye in his right hand, and Shimon, in an act of vengeance, calls upon two kosher witnesses to testify to this heinous deed and take him to a court of Jewish law with three Jewish rabbis, their long white beards cascading down their rabbinic fracks are sitting there in the dais waiting to pronounce the judgment and they say well, I'm afraid it says an eye for an eye a tooth for a tooth. Shimon, oh one-eyed man shall we call you Shimon the Cyclops, would you like to go and Cod out Ruvain's eye, for it says an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Does it not? That is what the words say. But there is no Jewish court in the world that will puskin that will rule that law. Why? Because the words say an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, and the words mean monetary compensation. But it says an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Why are you telling me it means monetary compensation? Well, it's a code and if you don't understand how to break it you'll think that Auntie Marjorie is having scones for tea if you know how to break it then you'll realize no 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 every letter is deliberately placed to teach me something every word is precisely positioned to teach me something every sentence is so structured to teach me something and that's why from these five books emanates an entire world of knowledge and wisdom but you have to know how to break that code you have to know how to break that code the word Barashis what does it mean? well it means lots of things it means Barashis he created six six days of creation it means Aleph Betishrei when the words are switched around the first of Tishrei it means it means many many things it means many things right? but that's that's, that's only on a very simple on a very simple word but of course each letter means something each vowel means something and the truth is letters can be broken up I- broken up into smaller letters for example a hay is a dalid and a yud the letter which is indivisible is a yud and that of course is relevant correct? because the yud is the indivisibility it's the central point it's the point so the yud has a Deep symbolic significance in terms of what you represent. it represents. It represents the thought, the idea, which is a seminal idea. It's a single point before it's been expanded into the realm of consciousness. So the yud is a point, it's a very point, and that's why the yud will indicate the future tense, because it's this thing that hasn't happened, it hasn't come into being. So not only are the letters relevant, the form of the letters, the words emet and sheker, are contrasted. Because emet meaning reality, truth, and sheke meaning falsehood have a different structural form in the way the letters are written. The aleph has two legs. The mem has a solid base. The taf has two legs. The kuf, spelling sheke, the shin, has a single point. The kuf has a single leg. The reish has a single leg. Why? Because the idea of falsehood is it's unsteady. It doesn't have what to stand on. It has one leg, but not two. And the idea of Emmet has solid and grounded. So not only are the words relevant, not only is the pronunciation relevant, not only is the translation relevant, the form of the letter becomes highly relevant. And then the Ramban says in his introduction to Chumash it is that actually the Torah was written before the Torah was written. It was written with white fire on black fire I don't know what black fire is I don't know what white fire is and he says and when it was, when it was written in the, in the heavenly realm it was completely different but all the letters were the same but all the letters were the same but the gaps were different so he says that every word in the Torah is a different name of Hashem what does that mean? what well, in the world does that mean? but it means something so the Torah is an encoded description of every secret of reality and we have to decode it so how do we decode the extra hay in the verse dealing with the creation of the 6th day it says THE 6th day, which 6th day? so the Medrash decodes it by saying it's referring to a particular day the day it's referring to is the 6th day THE 6th day, THAT 6th day, which 6th day? the 6th day of Sivan and what happened on that day? the Jews received the Torah so what's the relevance? It says, And it was evening and it was morning the 6th day. When there's a 6th day, THEN there's evening and morning. And if there's no 6th day, says the Midrash, the entire creation would return to null and void. Toyu-voyu. The tree would not have been received, so then the creation as an entity would be evaporated in other words and now that the Torah is received that's why there's a continuity to the created world what gives the created world to continue? the Torah itself the study thereof words we don't understand I'm just presenting to you what's been said this is why an extra hay was added on the sixth day. The entire creation was hanging in the balance until the sixth of Sivan. Would the Jews receive the Torah? Then all would be good. Vim love, and if not, Yachzar Haolam Latoihu Vavoihu, the world would return to emptiness and nothingness. It says the Maraul Vim Kain Divra Torah, Machaz Kemetoyim Ach Yash Lolam Kium. If so, it's the words of Torah that make the world come into existence. Vacholzem Ibnay, Katur, say there are now. Now he jumps and now we're going to have to get We're going to need a lot more help navigating He's not explaining why that is Why should the Torah be the maintaining force Behind the world? So I think this is going to be The right analogy But we'll have to explore further to double check I've asked you this question before I'm going to ask you it again What's more solid? Yafi. What's more solid? What's stronger? The idea of the table, or the table, which is more what's a, what's a, what's a greater reality—the table that's in front of us, or the idea of the table. The table that's The idea the table, is the actual reality. So now, what happens is, I take an axe and I chop the table to pieces put in a fire and I burn it what happened to the table? what happened to the idea? make another table so in a certain way you can understand that the idea behind the table is is a much more stronger, it's a much more powerful force than the table itself the table has an existence in its idea more readily than it has an existence in its physical manifestation the physical manifestation is really just the the end point of a much deeper reality the idea of the world is the Torah that's the idea, like the idea of the table, the plan of the table the idea of the world is the Torah and if that if the world gets destroyed sorry, if that idea isn't brought into fruition so if that de- as a word, if the idea doesn't come into being so then the world it has to evaporate because there's nothing to maintain it. So it means as follows, that the creation was hung in the balance. If the world would receive the Torah, meaning if they would accept that notion, they would introduce that idea, The idea would become a part of creation, so then creation would have continuity. but if that ni- idea was negated so then there can be no future for the world just like as if the person that comes up with the the scheme, the idea I think it's with a, a Stradivarius vi- violin Stradivarius violin uh, it's a very expensive kind of Strad it's very expensive You play a music instrument you play it's very expensive and now no, one's, no one's been able to reproduce it and the, they, said they, f- they think that the secret to Stradivirus' um, success in making the sound of his violins was a particular resin he used on the, on the wood. But the secret of the resin has been lost because he died. So it's gone. It can no longer be. So when the idea, if the idea disappears, so any further implementations manifestations can never be. And if the idea and the implementation are happening simultaneously, there's a constant need for new input. So if that idea stops midway, so the further input just comes to an end. So if there's a continuity to the influence that Torah has over the world, and the world receives as it was, that constant influence from the turret, at every new stage as it pans out in time, and the turret doesn't, there's no permission given for the turret to be accessible, it's not received, so then the entire thing collapses entire structure just disappears so this is very interesting it's a very counterintuitive idea it means as follows it says in the Torah for example do not plow an ox and a donkey together simple understanding is and this is what many people say mistakenly the Torah is a rule book for life it tells you, no you put into this like, this strange world So Hashem the creator says this is how you navigate it there's oxen and there's there's, 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 there's oxen and there's donkeys how should, you, how should you work together with them as a spanning team? Don't put them together, okay um, You've got parents, what do you do? Respect them uh, You interact with the business, what do you do with it? Be honest It's one way of understanding it But in that model, the world is a reality and the Torah is a secondary addition to the world to teach you how to navigate according to the model that the Maharal presents is that the Torah said there's such a thing as a... the Torah wanted there to be an idea of not plowing an ox and a donkey together so from that the world needed to have an ox and a donkey the Torah says that you have to honor your parents so man could have been born in an egg and he wouldn't have to have parents he could could have grown from the ground why does man have parents? He has parents because he's a mitzvah in the Torah that says, honor your parents. Parents were created for the mitzvah, not that the mitzvah was created for the parents. So the causality is different. The world is caused by the Torah. Not that the, Torah causes, not that the, world, the world is caused by the Torah, not that the world causes the Torah to be. Torah causes the world, the world doesn't cause the Torah. Which creates an immutability in the Torah. If the Torah is about laws, so times change and laws become outdated. the Torah is about reality, so then it doesn't change. There's something beyond just the reason and the comprehension. There's something way beyond that. So it becomes quite interesting. It means as follows. Why is the person going to business? So the simple answer is, well, you have to make money. And while you're making money, so you have to be straight. Based on this concept, no. A person has to be straight. So, why is it, so, how can he be straight? By going into business. If you've never, if you've never dealt with money, so you can't be straight because you have never given that chance. So, you do business so you can keep, so you can experience, so you can introduce the turn to the world. What's the means and what's the end? The means is to become, have integrity. Sorry, the end is to have integrity. The means is business. As opposed to, the means is to make money. And, uh, sorry, as opposed to the end is to make money, and the means is, you've got to have it with integrity. Rather, the end is to have integrity. And you do it through making money, engaging in business. There's no, there's, no, there's no reason why Akash Boku was perfectly able to give us all manna on our doorsteps. But then how would you be able to manifest the laws of transactions? How would you be able to not charge interest? How would you be able to return money that you owe someone else? All those, all those were created to bring return to every aspect of our lives. So, this is a myraul. The, so, the Torah is the Seder Adom. It's the anatomy of a person's being. Torah is not a prescription. You've got to do this, it's a description. A person who's deeply connected to himself will understand that mitzvahs don't tell me what to do, they describe what my soul is doing at a given point in time. In the morning, my soul needs to experience Krishna. On Shabbos, my soul needs to desist from alocha. But, I don't necessarily have that spiritual insight. So the Torah acts as an insight into what's going on inside of me. It's almost as if, you know, you go to a doctor and um, he does a series of blood tests. And he says, look, you really have to change your diet. You don't feel it, but your body needs to eat different foods. So you're not aware of it. But when he tells you to, to, to eat the diet, he's, he's describing the needs that you have. And when you conform to the diet, so then you're in sync with what your body is. Sometimes, you know, you, you, a description, when you describe something to someone, it means you put into words what the person wants. You describe something, you put into words the experience so the mitzvahs are a way of vocalizing, articulating right now the way you articulate the transition period from Pesach to Shveras is through counting it's how you articulate the connection and the way you count and the words you use to count Okay, we'll have to continue this because this is crucial Um, I look forward to Um, seeing you next week